Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Women in Leadership Podcast, Episode 1. Hi, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, and welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast, the podcast to empower you to reach your full potential, whether you're a woman already in the leadership role or you are an aspiring leader. Do you aspire to achieve greater success in your life, your career or your business? And what if in the next year you could finally begin to experience all of the results and the success you've been working toward? According to my guests, there are 1.8 million global monthly searches on Google for the phrase, how to get what you want. And there are 3.3 million global monthly searches for the word influence. The world is literally searching for what my guest will be speaking about today. Building influence is definitely a process, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. Joining me on the show today is Karen Keller, PhD, MCC and CEO of Karen Keller International Inc. She is also the author and creator of the Keller Influence Indicator. She is a clinical psychologist and master certified coach specializing in influence and human behavior. And Dr. Keller develops programs, materials and resources relating to the art of influence. And on today's show, Karen will be sharing how you can develop your influence potential, as well as why it's important to be more interested in others than yourself. And when you do, good things will return to you quicker and longer lasting. That mistakes are truly the foundation of an accomplishment and why it's critical to pay attention to the present moment. So welcome to the show, Karen. Hi, Anne-Marie. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on your show. You are so welcome. So let's dive in. How would you define influence? There's influence and then there's being influential. Mm -hmm. And I've taken on the task of defining those two things separate. To me, influence has a lot to do with an external event. You know, you you come into the room and you need to say or do something to get someone else to say or do something that you want them to. So you're influencing them. My definition of being influential, which I think is a higher order of influence, when you're influential, all you need to do is walk into the room. And that's it. It's something that radiates from an inner um, or an internal state of being. And we define the seven influence traits that creates a person's potential to be influential. And it creates that inner being of what we've worked on and stuff. And so, in other words, you know, influence is, you know, in the whole realm and somewhat of a traditional, I would say, definition that people have had for years, mainly because of things that were written by men and what they were doing. Uh, Some of it is very, very good, and I have a great deal of respect. Other stuff is kind of just uh, on the periphery, if you will. Mm -hmm. But it has to do with impacting others. Yes. 
and how you go about doing that is what we're going to talk about. So you mentioned the seven influence factors or seven key areas. Let's talk about those. What are those seven things? Well, we call them the seven influence traits Mm -hmm. and I can list all seven of them. The first one is confidence. Second, we have commitment. Um, The third influence trait is courage. Next, we have passion. After that, our fifth influence trait is empowering. And then we have trustworthiness. And the last influence trait is likability. And if we have all seven of them, Mm -hmm. um, you have a high, high chance of being extremely influential. And that's where you want to be. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why I think that's particularly an advantage for women. So before we dive into that, let's talk Mm -hmm. about each of these seven influence traits as it relates to leadership. And I would imagine that to be a leader that influences others, you really would want that leader to be strong in on all of those areas. Speak more about that. Oh, definitely. You know, I think one of the things that's really important, there's, there's three reasons why women really need to pay attention to their influence potential. And the first one is because its influence is directly related to an organization's uh, workplace culture. Mm-hmm. And face it, women are more than half of that culture. And we pay attention to the relationships, and relationships really matter. Um, Accessibility really matters. We take the time. People need to work together and remove barriers. And so how you do that depends on your K factor, we call it, or your influence potential. The second reason people should be paying attention to their influence potential is that when it comes to organizations, and particularly being a leader in those organizations, that it's not as much anymore about products services, although that's extremely important. But the focus in these organizations has turned to being more about people and purpose. And that's where women as leaders have an opportunity not to only talk about the what, but the why. And I think women have a a great understanding of the why things happen. Um, And some of that is kind of innate in nature, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the third and last thing I think that's really important for women to pay attention to their influence potential is because the current generation that we're in right now, they aren't as interested in taking orders from the boss and not asking any questions at all. They're more interested in solving problems and finding solutions as a team. And I think that's what women naturally gravitate to is pulling in the different resources and aspects or options that are available and putting it together. It's like a recipe and you pull it together from different places within the organization or different strengths of people and you put that together as a team to find your solutions. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is the typical, what we're seeing in the research is showing us that this upcoming generation and the Gen Y, they're also very interested in, in organizing themselves in a workplace culture. And I think women really can gravitate towards that. And so getting that to happen, it's so important to know what your potential for influence is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And say a little bit about each of these traits. Well, mm-hmm. having all of them, if you have well-developed confidence, if you're well-developed and how you express and you show your passion, and if you're a likable person, those qualities or those traits will greatly influence or increase your capacity to influence other people. That's what you need as a leader. 
Now, just speaking with uh, differences between men and women, do you notice mm-hmm. that men tend to be stronger in one or more of those traits than women and vice versa? That's a really good question. We've been collecting a lot of demographics on the thousands of people that have taken this assessment. Mm-hmm. And what we show as a group, men and women, for both men and women, confidence is the score that people are most concerned about. They ask the most questions about. The scores aren't as high. We get a lot of feedback about people's confidence. Mm -hmm. The one that is high among both groups is trustworthiness. People tend to see themselves as being very trustworthy. Now, whether that's the case or not, that we go into greater detail when people take the assessment, you actually get a number for each of these seven traits. Mm -hmm. I would say men are a little higher on the courage scale than women. And I don't know for certain, but what I would um, assume from that is because of practice. It's been a man's world for a long time. Mm -hmm. And in recent years, women are coming into different phases of an organization, different levels of an organization. And so we're still on the front edges of getting a corner office and breaking that glass ceiling, if you will. And so I think that that's part of the reason why we see that. And some of the other stuff is our environment. You know, it's that nature versus nurture. You know, men are the protectors and, and women are the nurturers, but we're finding women can protect just as well as men can also nurture. Mm -hmm. And so we're still in that process of figuring out our roles in that. But when you think about from a clinical or from a psychological standpoint, you know, we still have those differences with, with men and women. Now, Women um, are very confident. I don't know that I can say that they're more confident than men, but women have a high degree of confidence because they need to know what they know. Yes. And they multitask. There's many aspects of their brain that's working all at the same time to make things happen and make things come together. And so that's where I would see that we can see some of those expressions. The other thing when it comes to passion Don't confuse passion with emotion. I kind of warn people about that because they say, well, she, meaning women, are so emotional. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with that? Or that has no place in the organization or in your workspace. And so passion is not the same as emotion. Passion is your desire. Your It's brought in the piece of commitment. It's your interest. And then it goes into when you have a well-developed passion and how you express that. How do you really act on that passion? And so it's not as much about emotion as it is about action and expression for what you're excited about for getting the job done or how you do that or a particular charity or cause that you really truly believe in and so it goes really into your core values Mm -hmm. and I think women express that very well actually it's just that sometimes the feedback we get sometimes is it's interpreted as emotion rather than passion if that makes sense. And so then women say, you know, we've accepted, but I don't know how much is going on uh, currently, but I think in the past, women have been told, well, you know, we don't need to have emotion. We don't need to have that. Well, that's just not true. We need to have a feminine aspect in our workspace. Mm -hmm. And I think when women express their passion, it increases innovation, it builds on creativity, and it helps with identifying things. 
And so, you know, that's where I see the passion coming in to do that. But yeah, so I think there's some things that women do better than men and men do better than women, but it's how we come together in respecting what those differences are. That's really key. I think that is is absolutely key. There are a couple of things that you mentioned, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this because I'm sure that there are listeners thinking, oh, yes, but what about this? You're talking about organizations or some organizations, and I hope that organizations throughout the globe will start to be more aware of this and have this happen and occur within the workplace, that rather than focus solely on products and profitability, no matter how you know they mm-hmm. end increase that but it's more focused towards people and purpose as well as organizations recognizing the difference between passion and emotion what would you say if a woman was in a work environment that was not yet focusing on people and purpose and not yet clearly understanding the difference between passionate for the for, for what she was doing and, and thinking that it was still, oh, you're just so emotional. What would be some mm-hmm. things she could do <laughs> to try and right. give a voice to that, turn that round, you know, transform that thinking? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. That's a huge question, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think women every day are faced with that paradox, if you will. You got to make money. There's no yes. doubt about that. And I would, and I'm very supportive. You have to make money, but it's how you do it then is what the question becomes. So how do you do it? Do you push product and services, uh, irregardless of what your team, you know, is capable of or is interested in or so on and how, and how it gets, gets to market basically. So if a woman finds herself in an organization or a workspace where there's not that type of respect for the passion and and that, that she has for what they're doing. What is important is to begin to ask questions. And that takes a lot of confidence to be able to do that. And when I say to ask questions, I don't mean just your basic run-of-the-mill run questions. I mean a woman to start to plant those seeds. That's where it starts. You got to plant seeds. And the best seeds are asking tough questions. Those are the great questions. It's questions that kind of stimulate people's thoughts. You know, you ask a person that doesn't express their passion. Ask the person next to you, you know, what is it that gets you all excited about doing this? What kind of outcomes do you expect from this? And get people talking, but you ask those tough questions. And they're tough questions because it takes confidence to ask them, but it also takes a great deal of soul searching to answer them and to stay and to listen to them. Because sometimes, and especially if you are an emerging leader in your organization, it's difficult to hear some of the answers because you might be surprised. And it's what you do with those, with the responses you get. How do you incorporate it into your, into the workflow? How do you take it into consideration when you're making decisions, when you're looking at it? The other thing that I think is really critical when you find yourself in an organization that doesn't put a lot of focus on purpose and people is that you can put focus on purpose and people and you will begin to build your following. Mm. People like it when you as a woman ask those questions, show the interest where the goals that individual people have, when you can help them understand how their goals meet and match the goals of the company 
is when you develop a very special or a very significant synergy between mm -hmm. the two. Yeah, I think and so. And so when they see this happening and building, you're going to be creating excitement. And like I said, be more interested in others than yourself. Okay, so you are a woman, you're passionate about what you're doing, but you're, you know, you're working every day in an organization where the culture is kind of blah and there's not a focus. You can start to sh change and shift that focus by showing a lot of interest in others. Yeah. And that will get people talking. It'll get people listening then what you're going to say next. Mm -hmm. well, what ideas does she have for this? Um, you know, how am I going to make a decision? Well, I'm going to talk to her mm -hmm. because she, you know, she got me thinking about these things. So I think that that's one of the things that a woman can do when they find themselves in that situation. Something else that as you were speaking, I thought of, I know that organizations can often be very profit driven, results driven. So maybe there's some things that she has been doing that if she looks at what was happening prior to what's happening now, that there is a shift, increase in productivity, increase in profits, whatever that may be. So take a note of that. So when you are at a board meeting or speaking to someone who may be a little bit apprehensive about some of the changes or areas that you'd like to, to see change, mm -hmm. mention some of the differences that are now happening in your organization because of the changes that are already been made. And Karen, I'm sure that there are organizations who are already doing this that have seen remarkable mm -hmm. results. So look at what other organizations are doing. And Google is your best friend often. Sure. What are other organizations doing? What have they done? And, and perhaps mention some of these within a, a meeting mm -hmm. to, to put forward the point. Yes. Oh, definitely. And the other thing, too, that goes along with the information you shared, which is very good, is that women are natural empowerers. We love to empower people because we want to see people make it. Mm -hmm. We want to see people work together. We want to see what other people have to offer. And so a woman can start to really track how am I empowering other people? And there are certain things that you can do when you empower other people. And that itself shifts naturally into people and purpose as mm -hmm. well. There's a more of a commitment that's needed from the person when they empower others because sometimes you might not get always the results you want. Or you have to learn to let go and see yourself as a resource, not a decision maker. And so those are some of the things you run into when you choose to empower. But empowering people in your workspace, your coworkers, uh, and and there's a way that you can empower your supervisor or you can empower direct reports that report to you. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that you can do that you can gradually start to see those things. And, you know, it, you said something earlier in the program that's really important, that building influence or being influential, that's a process. Yes. And it, it doesn't have to be a struggle but it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And so it requires the commitment from the person that wants to be an influential leader. And I just want mm -hmm. to, to stress, and I think this is so very important, and this is coming through in what you're saying, is that you don't necessarily need to be already in a senior leadership role to mm -mm. be influential, to have that level of influence. Be influential where you are now and through that you can continue to you know impact and influence the organization that's exactly right karen thinking then about the seven influence traits and thinking about women what would you say would be some areas that you have seen where women can be more purposeful when it comes to building influence 
from wherever they are in the organization? Some areas and where they can be more influential, you're mm. asking? In, in any of those. I mean, you I know, know that we've spoken about mm -hmm. that already, but there may be some key areas where you say, look, women, this is an area where you really, if you can start to build more influence or strength around this particular trait, that's certainly going to support sure. you in the process. Well, I think the, the trait likability, I call that the gateway trait. And the reason I call it the gateway trait is because if people do not find you likable, they're not going to recognize the other traits because they're not going to be that mm, close to you. They're not going to listen. They're going to keep you at arm's length. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that is important is to understand how likable are you? How, how well do you listen? How do you give feedback? Another aspect of likability is how approachable are you? And, and this sounds very simple, but what about smiling? There's a lot of people in general that they just don't smile, partly because it's not in their major or partly it could be because um, they've got all these things racing that need to be done on their mind, you know, and so they they're constantly have the fro, you know, eyebrow and yes. having a pleasant look on your face goes and is a huge thing on being influential. Um, when you think of the people that are in influential um, and what I looked at, I looked at like Gandhi and I looked at Christ and I looked at, you know, Mandela or Mother Teresa, people like that. Look at their expressions. When you look at it, there's a welcoming nature to their nonverbal, you know, expression, their behaviors. Mm. And when you look at other people that were, that are powerful, if you talk about influence and power, when you look at power because of a position, I mean, you you can think of Hitler or you can think of Stalin or you can think of, you know, people and you look at what their, what their approachability factor was, probably zero. Um, there was a look of fear and a look of sternness and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, and I think about parents. You will parent better when you have a different look on your face. So that's one of the things that's really, really important, especially for a woman, because sometimes women, unfortunately, we're already prejudged before we come into the workplace yes. just because of stereotype and just because of whatever uh, from women, other women or men, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think that likability trait is key because that's where you get your foot in the door. And if people find you likable, then they're going to enter a conversation with you. And the next trait that I would say is very critical for a woman to, to work on is confidence. And, and confidence is an interesting thing, you know. I think of them as the selves, like your self-image, your self-worth, your self-esteem, self-confidence. I look at all that stuff, but what that really comes down to is attitude. And so your confidence grows the more you realize that I have a whatever it takes attitude. And the second piece is to, if I make a mistake, I make a mistake, I start over again. And so, you know, you look at how your attitude is and you look at what your relationship with rejection or failure is. That's very, very key. You know, and that's where I said the second thing is that mistakes are truly the foundation of all accomplishment. And what I mean by that is that when we make mistakes and when we receive rejection or failure, our confidence is the thing that gets built because we go, okay, that's one way it didn't work, but you know what? I don't give up. Mm -hmm. And so it's about the trust or the faith that you have in yourself. And that's what comes out in what we call confidence. So I think those are the two traits that I would tell women to start with is their likability and their confidence, mm -hmm. because that's the 
the two things that people are going to notice quickly about you. You know, it takes a little bit to develop that relationship and to find out, are you trustworthy? Commitment, you have to look at things and you have to develop a relationship again and you make a commitment to an idea or a process. But confidence and likability, those are kind of on the front lines. And so those would be the ones where I would start first. And I think also too, Karen, that with mm-hmm. the with confidence, that is often something that I hear women are not putting themselves forward because, oh, I didn't think I had the, the, the right skill set. I didn't really think that I had the ability to do that. Or what you're saying is putting their foot forward or putting their, you know, their hand up and then getting rejected. And I think along the whole lines with confidence, one of the mistakes that women make is that we tend to wait for permission or we raise our hand. And if we don't get called on, our hand goes down. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we see a change in that, that we move forward, we go forward, we we speak up with our our ideas, we move forward with changing a, a process. We make those kinds of decisions rather than waiting for permission from someone. And, and from that, what I mean is that we give ourselves permission to go ahead and promote the idea, to go ahead and put forth a, a different way of doing things, that mm-hmm. type of thing. And sometimes you're not always the top decision maker, but you are the decision maker of what you put forth. Mm-hmm. And that's where it takes confidence. And so don't wait for permission. Don't listen to the negative thoughts that says, well, you're not good enough, or you don't know what you're doing, or um, all fingers will point to you if it doesn't work, that type of thing. You Mm -hmm. have to overcome those limiting beliefs and move forward. And that's where confidence is your best friend Mm -hmm. for doing that. Absolutely. Now, a question came in, Karen, from Helen Storr, and she's from Pivotal Pathways. And she said, what is the difference between influence and power? That's a good question, because I think in the reading that I've done or in the things and conversations I hear, there's a lot of people that interchange those two words, Mm. and they are very, very different, very different. Influence, as we were talking about, that's your ability to create an impact on the beliefs or actions of a person or a group of people. One of the results of good influence is respect. If you've been influential, that means that what you've influenced, a certain thinking or a certain belief or a certain behavior, continues even though you're not there. So it's got a really long-lasting effect. Whereas power is very closely related to authority. Power can come from position, um, from if you have money, and it usually evokes a feeling of fear that the people that you have power over is only because you have control Mm. to a point because they behave and act out of fear. Whereas if you're influential, people behave and believe or act out of, out of a oneness, out of an understanding of a community of goals or shared goals, I should say. And so, you know, that's a good question. I think that when you think of power, influential people are very powerful, but not powerful people, people are not always influential. And so, you know, if you think about it that way, experts can be very influential. Experts can be very powerful, but there are powerful experts that are not influential. 
And so when you kind of separate it, you look at, and, and here's a question that I would um, tell your listeners to ask themselves. What is my response to this person? Am I behaving out of a willingness and a desire to learn more, to be more, to entertain more? Or am I acting out of the emotion of I'm fearful if I don't mm -hmm. behave this way or, or um, associate with this belief? What are the consequences? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are the consequences and, and what's going on inside of me? I think people can tell if they're being overpowered or if they're being influenced. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, we look at manipulation, mm -hmm. you know, you look at intimidation and those are types of influence, but they're not healthy ones by any stretch. And so I think people are very wise in learning how to separate the differences and the way that you do that, you go back, trust your gut, which by the way, women have a very good intuitive nature mm -hmm. that they need to trust and to look at. And so they can differentiate between those two situations of power versus one based on being influential or being influenced. That's a good question. Yeah, and I love I love what you've said. And look, you, you'd only need to look at the organization, the performance, the morale of the team and the organization as a whole as to, you know, the, the senior leaders, are they influential? Are they influencing in an empowering way? Or is there this power manipulation? Right. Uh, I don't think many uh, people would, would stick around if it were the, the, the latter. So uh, wise. Well, wise. that's what happens mm -hmm. when you're in an organization who functions as an, you know, their leadership is based on uh, influencing through empowering rather than power. That's when your human capital is very high. Good people stay. Yeah. And they attract more good people. But if you are only interested in power and a very hierarchical dictatorship, you know, some organizations may be that way, you lose good people. Mm -hmm. That And so those are some of the consequences of that. So that's a good point. No, I remember years ago, Karen, my very first job, and it was the latter, unfortunately, very dictatorial. And whenever the boss would come walking down the corridor, my <laughs> heart would start to beat a million miles an hour. And it was almost like breaking into sweat. It was like, what kind of mood is he going to be in? And his wife was the co-manager and similar with her. And you just didn't know, am I going to be right. yelled at <laughs> or right. how are they going to be? And I tell you what, thankfully, in about 12 months of that, the company was taken over and they were shown the door because yeah the the leadership then saw that they were not really leading with influence and uh, right. I tell you it was a horrible environment to be in oh exactly and just like what you described the look on their face I mean nobody even wanted to see that and so your nonverbal is a is a very strong indicator on how people will see you so that's exactly it mm-hmm so Karen, you have shared such wonderful insights today. How can people find out more about you? Thanks for asking. My site is www.karen-keller.com. So it's karen-keller.com. And on there, people can have a free trial of the K2, the Keller Influence Indicator Assessment, and they will get one of their traits in a report. And there's two reports that you get. One is called the K2 report. And the other one is the soccer report, which is uh, a summary K2 report and organizational competency. And so um, you can get that for free on the site with the option.
option to upgrade if you wish to. And so you can find some information. The other thing that we did is that we are launching a partner program where people can partner with us and use the assessment with their own clients and, mm -hmm. um, and organizations that they work with. So check that out. You can find all of that stuff, though, at our site, uh, karen-keller.com. We'll put that all over on the show notes as well. Thank you. So now it's over to you. Karen and I want you to join the conversation to let us know what's one aha, and I'm sure you've had many, but what's the biggest aha that you have had from today's show? And what are you going to do over the next 30 days to help you begin to take your influence potential to the next level? To, to go and join that conversation, go to annemariecross.com forward slash podcast one. Leave a comment below the show notes, and Karen and I look forward to reading your comments. That link again, mm -hmm. annemariecross.com forward slash podcast one. So before we end the show, our inspirational message today is courage is what it takes to stand up and speak up. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. That's by Sir Winston Churchill. And these are wise words. Are you showing courage when you attend meetings and letting your voice be heard? Remember, you matter, as do your thoughts and ideas. And remember, too, that listening is also a powerful skill when it comes to communication and, of course, building your influence factor, as Karen mentioned. So be courageous, be purposeful by listening to others as well. So that brings us to another episode or end of another episode. And I do hope that you'll join me again next week. Before we go, I'd love for you to connect with me and also our guests. So go to annemariecross.com forward slash podcast connect to find out all of the ways that we can connect to keep the conversation going. While you're there, I would also love it if you would do our triple S steps. What are our triple S steps? Subscribe, share, and shout out. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. The details are over at annemariecross.com forward slash podcast connect. Share the podcast with your colleagues. And of course, shout out by leaving a comment and rating for the show on iTunes. Really appreciate it. See you next week. Make it a great one. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.